0: Hello and welcome to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the show where I speak to artists and musicians about the jobs they've worked and how they've been able to survive doing what they do. Laura Stevenson is on today's episode. Her new self-titled album is out now. You can get it through Don Giovanni Records in the States or Specialist Subjects Records here in the UK And she's just announced some European shows next April coming through the UK, including Manchester Punk Festival. So go ahead and look at those dates and book your tickets in. East London's Signature Brew have been brewing beers with bands since 2011. They've made beers with Hot Chip, Sports Team, Idols just to name a few and if you live in the UK you can get some of their flagship so beers delivered directly to your door through their website signaturebrew.co.uk and if you use the voucher code 101podcast at checkout that's all capitals you can get 10% off your order Alright, here's Laura Stevenson on 101 part-time jobs Go well
1: the transport to wiser hand
0: to me you're synonymous you know for for a long time you were synonymous with brooklyn every time we were in brooklyn i'd try and text and i don't think it'd ever go through but i always kind of felt your you're a brooklynite
1: uh, yeah i was there for a really long time uh that was where i came up musically and started like really playing shows and uh that was where that was like the music scene that i was a part of was like brooklyn diy and like the It was like the fest bands kind of like that would play the shows that like we played, you know, like Spoon Boy and like, you know, Planet X people and kind of like in that underground where it was like it was like a mix of indie and punk and kind of just alternative new alternative kind of what that didn't really have wasn't very genre specific, you know, like, Mm. I don't know. So there was there was kind of like that, like freak folk thing where like the Kimya Dawson moldy peaches kind of like that kind of like spurred on, uh, or like spun off a lot of bands that were like kind of from the Midwest, I would say kind of, um, Who had that track bread helps. Oh, Emily Brodsky. I love oh, that I know Emily. Yeah. She went to school with Alex and Peter, um, who were in my band. So that's how I knew her. And she played Hillstock, which was Alex's like, um, Alex would do like a festival every year in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn. And that was kind of like where it all started for me. Like I moved to Brooklyn when I moved in with Mike. Um, He was like my boyfriend (laughs) and now he's my husband. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so like I was living on Long Island. So that just like, you know – half-hour drive east. No, it's just like a half-hour. I mean, if there's no traffic, it could be, yeah, 30 minutes or less. But if there's traffic, it could be like an hour and a half. I don't know. (laughs) Just getting off the BQE. Um, But, yeah, so I was going to school at Queens College, which was like 20 minutes from my house. And uh, But then again, that could be an hour. (laughs) It was kind of a nightmare to drive. Driving everywhere. Driving everywhere. I had a car, which was – insane um but I lived on Long Island so like I had to and but sometimes I would skip class and and just like go over to Mike's apartment because he lived in Clinton Hill and I really liked the neighborhood and obviously I really liked him so we would just like hang out and we were just friends at the time um but we were like playing music together kind of casually but I just kind of like just really liked him so I just wanted to hang out with him all the time
0: did that feel like a sort of contained kind of area for music and shows and just stuff you wanted to be around.
1: Yeah. Clinton Hill was like very specifically that group of people like Dave, um, who did the pink couch session lived with Mike. Um, the Vivian girls lived like in the next building. Like it was all like, yeah, but like Jeff lived further into Brooklyn. He lived in like, at that point he kind of lived in, I guess it was Bushwick Williamsburg kind of. Um, but he was like a train right away very close and he was a friend of mine from forever ago so i introduced him to dave and mike and then they started kudrow like a year later so that was cool because like it was just like people that i had met that were all like kind of coming together in this like one spot um so it was really nice and yeah and so like once i was in brooklyn i just started you know we just started playing at like death by audio all the time and that was in um williamsburg brooklyn So yeah, it was just very much centered around a couple neighborhoods in Brooklyn. And then like, I don't know, Bushwick started happening. And then we like lived in Bushwick and then it got expensive and then we moved upstate. (laughs) It's like, get me the fuck out of (laughs) here. Looking
0: back on that time, I think when you look back at a record you've been involved in, it's like, oh, yeah, that happened. That was uh, kind of the plan. And we went for it and and we just, you know, did it. Did it looking back now? Does it seem that way to you? Was there a plan? Of course, there's only like so much you, you anyone can plan for.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was no plan. It was just like, even making my first record, Mike's friend from high school, um, who lived like a couple blocks away from him, had like a tape machine and lived in like a loft space and he was like able to make a record for me. And I only had eight songs, but Mike was like, you have to just like record these songs. So like, yeah, that was, that happened really piecemeal. And then, like, later on, Mike Park was like, I want to put this out on Asian Man. Like, can you put, like, a couple more songs on it and then, like that happened but i didn't think that that was like i didn't even know i was on asian man after agreeing to do that because then i told joe from don giovanni that i would make a record with him and mike park was like hey you're on asian man i was like no i'm not what do you mean <laughs> he's like yes you are um and i was like oh shit i'm sorry i already told joe i was going to do this thing and whoops and i've been on don giovanni ever since then cuz then i realized that like once you put a record out you like That's kind of like it's understood that you're like on the label kind of. I don't know. I didn't really know how it worked. And I didn't care because I didn't think I was going to be making more things. And that happened with shows too. Like No one teaches you. No one tells you that. Nobody tells you unless you like really are a person that is like career minded or like has like this idea where you're just like, I'm going to be a musician. Let me figure out how to become famous. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That just wasn't like my thing. (laughs) I was just like, I'm just going to do this and uh stop doing it soon and then I didn't stop doing it and then but I'm always like am I gonna stop doing this I always think I'm gonna stop but
0: um how did you first show people your songs I can't really imagine you being the kind of person to pick up a guitar at a party. Oh no. God <laughs> no. But I think that's interesting. I mean, how 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 did you show someone your songs first?
1: Well, I feel like well, my best friend Jackie. So, I got kicked out of my house when I was like 19 cuz like I I cut one French class whatever and my mom thought that I was like gonna like drop out of school and so she like told me that I wasn't allowed to live with her if I was gonna cut class and meanwhile you're allowed to miss four of them per semester so whatever and I got a 4.0 that semester so whatever but yeah so my mom kicked me out because <laughs> I overslept through my French class um, and so then I was living in my friend Jackie's attic kind of um her parents were cool and they like let me live there for a little bit and so I was kind of like, that's when I was like showing Jackie my songs and she was the first person that heard my songs. Um, so, and,
0: and she had it through the, through the floorboards. No,
1: no, 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 no. Like I would like be done with the song and be like, do you want to come hear a song? And then she would, then she would come up and I mean, she might've heard me through the floorboards, but she didn't say anything cause she was nice. But, <laughs> but like she was the first person I like really shared my songs with.
0: That Those people are so important.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean like, you need to have somebody that you so fully trust and know. Like I had known her since I was in like nursery school, which is like you go to nursery school here when you're like four or five. So like I'd known her forever and ever and ever. And we were best, best friends. Like we, like, we would go to like, you know, like the friends you have when you're a teenager, where you're just like, I need to go to the DMV. Can you come to the DMV with? Me? That's like the Department of Motor Vehicles, where you wait on a really long line to get your driver's <laughs> license. You know, like those kinds of places, and like, or just like, can you come with me to the doctor's? Like, I'm, I'm just like, I don't want to wait in the waiting room by myself. And so, like, you just yeah. go and get iced coffee and sit there together because you're best friends and you do everything together. Like, she was like that for me. So. So she just like knew me so wholly. Anyone's
0: lucky to to have a friend like that.
1: Oh yeah. I mean like it's that's that's like the kind of friendship that like I really miss having. Like I guess like Mike and I have that now because we like we'll do dumb shit together and make it fun. Like go to the grocery store, even though we don't go to the grocery store together now, cause like of, you know, the nightmare the zombie apocalypse that we live in. But like we used to like, you know, just go to the grocery store at like midnight together and just like have fun. Cause I don't know when you love somebody, you just have a good time.
0: Totally. I had a few years in my twenties where I sort of didn't, I guess living in different towns where, where, you know, with some of the friends that I grew up didn't have and, and I didn't have the, the partner I have now where it was like, you kind of forget that um, stuff can be fucking fun. And also there's a carnival going past my yeah. window. So I'm not sure if you can hear that. Oh, um, But, but you know, you, you forget that those sort of like banal have to life shit like that. That can be fun. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's totally up to you. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it, and it helps if you get lucky and, and have a, have a close partner or friend that you can do that with
1: yeah just to like I mean anything exactly anything could be fun obviously like sad things can't be fun but like any dumb boring stuff can be can be turned into a good time if you're just have a positive attitude I think I don't know so yeah
0: and that dark stuff that sad stuff it, equally because
1: you, cause mm-hmm. you communicate
0: and like fuck you go fucking crazy if you don't talk and I know I know there's probably someone listening to this being like oh my god all I ever read is don't be afraid to talk but you know what? Well, in my experience,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. Like my sister and I have that. We're like, even if something is really sad, like we were at my grandma's funeral, um, <laughs> in, when I was like in high school, and we were we were coming home on the train, and we were like really sad. We we're on the Long Island Railroad, and we we're sitting next to each other, and the lady across from us. She just like my sister just touched my hand and was like, "Have you ever seen Sword in the Stone? Have you seen Sword in the Stone? You know the Disney the Disney movie." No. <laughs> the woman looked exactly like this character called Mad Madam Mim. You got to look it up. Anyway, uh, she has like crazy hair and she's like a witch kind of, but she just like she just like touched my hand and was like, "Have you seen Sword in the Stone?" And I just looked up and like. That is my only memory for my grandma's funeral is like this like hilarious <laughs> moment on the train with my sister who's like equally ridiculous so yeah we have that too.
0: <laughs> I mean in your records there's there's a lot of sadness there's there's a lot of darker themes but there is humor in there. Is that something that you've you know seen in yourself can you can you objectively see that in in your own writing?
1: I don't know. I guess I guess it's interesting because I do pair a lot of like sad themes with kind of like more upbeat, um, it's like s- types of songs. Like, uh, some of my saddest songs do have like a jaunty kind of like happy sound, like lacking of any minor chords. So I think that there's something to be said for that. I think like kind of trying to, uh, I don't know, not be so heavy handed and, Usually also, even like my saddest songs are just like, but the last, like the last sentence of the lyrics is like, and everything's gonna be okay. You know what I mean? Like, there's always like a, and do do do, like, don't worry. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think there's always like a little bit of optimism in there. (laughs) I mean, like, I never really have a plan, you know, with my writing either. I'm, I'm like very, I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm not a planner. I don't really like think about things in terms of like albums and I don't think about songs in terms of like their entirety until like I've, I'm done with it and I'm like, oh yeah, the song's over. So, like, I guess it just happens. But I do think I am like, not like in a toxic way, but I do think that I'm a rather optimistic person. Like, I am always trying to be like, it's, Gonna be okay. I think it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna try for it to be okay. (laughs) So maybe that's just yeah. (laughs) Well, I think
0: it tends to yield good results because I think if you know, I'm I'm not sure how helpful getting stuck on something is. You know what I mean? Just to kind of accept it and and move forwards. And everything in your life is gonna be connected to other events, and you just do the best you can.
1: Yeah. I mean, like everything, you know, like, like now that I have Joe, my daughter, like everything, everything that has ever happened to me has led to her being, you know, here, like every single because she's the combination of me and Mike, like, you know, and at that very particular moment, it's like very one in a bajillion chance that she exists. And so like, yeah, I just look at everything that led up to her as like being a part of that story now i don't know so i guess like that's a crutch including your records (laughs) yeah exactly everything so it's like that's like a whole new chapter (laughs) the whole new way of looking at things is like through this new lens of like this person that's
0: she's gonna read your lyrics she's gonna read listen to your records she's gonna dive into it and probably look at it in a.
1: she's not gonna like them wow
0: (laughs) nonsense but she's definitely she you know she's probably going to be looking at it know. with a different angle to the way you are i i find that stuff interesting
1: yeah i hope that she like doesn't isn't embarrassed by me i'm gonna try not to be like the rocker mom you know like when i like drop her off at school and be like yeah right babe like have a good day and i got my like leather pants on
0: <laughs> oh my god i think just you just try to. not to be I think that. you have to <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't do anything crazy out there don't do anything i wouldn't
0: (laughs) exactly that is so cool i mean going (laughs) I, i love that i'm so down do you think do you think you'll stay in do you think you'll stay in the area upstate that you're in now for for a long time
1: I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm like, I'm always down for whatever. Like Mike is, you know, his job is here. So he's like locked in, but like, obviously my job is wherever. Um, so I always tell him like, wherever you want to go, we'll go as long as I guess now, like that's what I always told him I was like wherever you want to go, we'll go. But now I, I'm like wherever you want to go with good schools, <laughs> we'll I go. So you got to research the schools, make sure they're good. But otherwise, I don't care geographically where I am. Maybe not Florida. I'm not, I don't want to be in Florida.
0: You you you're pretty like well rounded with the thought that Laura Stevenson is your job. You know, you're an artist for a job. I mean, people people you can see anyone's going to have mm. a. a, a a, you know a different kinds of relationship with themselves considering that stuff i mean that you know identifying as an artist
1: i don't know i mean like i'm always on the verge of quitting so <laughs> but then i could start something new in this new place that we are ohio i don't know where we're going california portland oregon um but yeah i'll just figure it out but i don't know i right now i have a patreon which is cool because that's kind of like keeping it going in this like uncertain time of like me not really wanting to go too far from my child, you know, because of covid and everything. So it's like I don't know. The whole thing is just so wild. We were we knew that things were going to be different when when we had her, but we didn't realize that it was going to be like different plus pandemic. So now it's like there's just a whole new there's just so much more to consider when I'm like considering traveling for work, you know. So I don't fucking know, but you know, the Patreon's been really cool <laughs> cuz like that's like, you know, fairly steady, you know, stream of of money coming in every month and I have like a project every month and so it's like that's keeping me kind of feeling focused or at least like having some sort of sense of identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's nice. But then when that starts feeling bad, who knows what I'm going to do, but it's cool. For me. I, I feel slightly <laughs> bad for
0: asking that question. I think no one's no one ever on earth is going to sort of really feel that comfortable sort of, I don't know, defining themselves or, you know, measuring up yeah. their identity. No. It's a weird fucking thought. Don't no feel bad. Really to do. <laughs> but I, I do find, you know, for example, like my mum's an author. I'm, I've probably mentioned it in the past and it has had such a big effect on the mm-hmm. way that I see life. Cause I feel like, you know, if you can kind of, Fig, you know, get lucky and wrangle your way and kind of figure some shit out that you can kind of get away with some stuff that you really want to do in life. Um, and I, w- having made a few records myself, and and I kind of see the the ebb and flow of your kind of on season where you're you're in a record, like you've, you're starting a record. You need to finish it by this date. You go on tour. Things are kind of you're on and you're off. And I wonder. I mean, now obviously completely different with Joe. But in the past, for the last decade or longer, how's your kind of off mode been, you know, off tour, off making a record when you don't want to think about it so much?
1: Um, I focus on probably either watching TV (laughs) or like, I don't know, like I... If if I'm if I'm doing stuff that's like solely for me, I'd pr- I, I'd probably be spending. If I'm up here, a lot of time in nature, like going for walks and and doing doing things that are good for my head, or the opposite and getting depressed and like staying inside and watching TV. But it really depends on, I guess, like where I'm at chemically. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I've I've not had just like a moment really to just be like, and this is what I'm going to do right now. And it's like, and it's just purely for me. I haven't had that in like two years. (laughs) So it's like, cause I was like touring like mad and then I was pregnant And like in my first trimester. So I was home. So like really my only off time where I didn't have a baby in between these two records was my first trimester. And I spent that like sleeping and throwing up pretty much. So like, (laughs) but then like during my second and third trimester, I was pretty much touring throughout. Um, And then I had her and then it was like, boop, pandemic, um, newborn baby. So it's just been like, I haven't had that. And I really would like to figure out because that also is like, when you're figuring out who you are again and you're writing for fun, not writing for a deadline, Um, just kind of exploring that, that would be fucking nice. I'd like it.
0: Have you seen the benefits of, of both those things, writing for fun and, and writing for a deadline? I mean, have you written for a deadline where you've actually thought, fuck yeah, that was, that was a positive thing. I needed that. That was a tune that I just wrote.
1: Well, I did that twice during uh during the pandemic. I I wrote for a deadline. I like gave myself a project because I like obviously can't write for fun but i would like mike was like giving me an hour here there like you know like i'd come out to the studio because he's working two jobs also so he he and not sleeping so it was like insane and we had no help no help at all no family no nothing so it's just the two of us against this child um and so like i i I said on Patreon, I was like, I'm going to put out a new song. And then I was like, fuck, why did I say that? But I said it in like my update video. So then I had to write a new song. (laughs) And it was like so fucking stressful because like I just had to create something. And I wanted to push myself, but I think I was just feeling like overly ambitious. And I don't know if my hormones were like going crazy, but I was like, I'm going to do this. And so it was like it was very stressful. And much of it was I it was me versus this like fly <laughs> cuz I would like come out to the garage to work and there was a fly that like I felt like it lived for a really long time. Like how long do flies live?
0: I'd say a couple of 24 weeks. 24
1: hours? A couple of weeks? you think? I don't know. I don't I have, I have no, no idea how long flies live. But like I always thought they lived for like a day or two. They're like they got super
0: quick reactions. <laughs> so that means time is going slower yeah. for them than for us.
1: Wow. So maybe so maybe to them, yeah. Whoa, good thinking. In the film, yeah, tenet? you just blew my mind. Wow, that's tenet blew too. my mind. Anyway, so like, have you have you ever seen a movie where like it's about like a a writer having like writer's block and like so then like all of a sudden there's like there's like this thing happening and like so like the fly was like my like nemesis in this like scenario and so like. I spent a lot of time trying to kill this fly, and I felt like the fly was like me fighting my, like I was fighting myself. It was the fly, whatever but like, so that was that experience. I finally wrote the song and actually it ended up being pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. And like, whatever record comes next, um, that'll go on there and it'll be like more developed, but whatever. So I finished it and I put it on my Patreon and I was like, here it is. And people were like, Hey, yay. Um, and so then at Christmas, I was like, I'm going to write a Christmas song. So I did it again, like a maniac. And so I wrote a Christmas song too, but the Christmas song was like, I had already kind of started it like a couple of years ago. So I had a little something to work with. So it was not too crazy. I just had to kind of like expand on an idea that already existed. Um, right. And it's a Christmas song. So I mean, like how intense is it going to get? So I did two things to a deadline and it was bad. It was, uh, it, I think the result was fine, but the um, experience was unpleasant.
0: <laughs> Does it feel like having that Patreon and having that, you know, it, it's, it's like a, you know it's a st- it's, it's a structure you know it's literally a structure on your on your screen and for everyone who's supporting mm-hmm. you being a patron is it ha- has that kind of presented itself almost as like y- you know a big part of your job you know you, you log on to there and you know you're doing stuff for money
1: <laughs> yeah i mean like yes like that basically is like my job right now and um and it's cool because i have like on the 12th, I put out my video, and on the 18th, I put out a song. It's either like an unreleased thing or like a cover that I work on um, or like a demo or whatever. Uh, and so like this month, I'm like, I still need to finish the thing, and it's due on the 18th, and that's tomorrow. So like I am I have to finish this thing tonight. Um, so like it also gives me like structure for my month kind of, so it yeah. makes – time pass in a way that feels a little more controllable so it that feels good and then like it just still feels like I'm doing something you know um like I'm there's some sort of like momentum so it does feel like I still like exist kind of
0: (laughs) you you said like more than once about how you can't you don't really tend to plan ahead too much or or at least you didn't over the last few years since since you haven't really kind of put much thought into what you're doing at the time. At least at least that's what I've kind of gleaned from what you've been saying. Mm-hmm. Is that is that totally true? Is do you think there's a part of you, a part of your brain, that's like, no, I would really like to do that. I would like to kind of give myself some kind of inner discipline to to work towards these records and, and tours.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Right now I need to like my my new goal is to like end covid and (laughs) and and like start some sort of like childcare situation so that i can actually like have a day where i'm like i'm drinking a coffee and i'm going and sitting down and working you know what i mean instead of like this frazzled like hour here hour there um oh during her nap like if she does nap and she's not just like nursing the whole time on me like maybe i can do this like you know what i mean like i Mm -hmm. would really love to have that kind of day where at least if, even if nothing comes of it there's the possibility of like yeah. the freedom to yeah. work and I think that's going to come with her getting a little older like these are just the really hard years where like she's a koala you know like she's like we're very much tethered to each other we're very much like I'm just basically my every waking moment and sleeping moment is to serve yeah. her yeah. but like once she becomes a little bit more self-sufficient um then like I can I can have a little bit back you know of me and and my time and my independence which will be nice but like i also do love this like you know these moments and and like yesterday i was i was saying before we started recording that like her nap yesterday i was just holding her in the dark for 45 minutes (laughs) or an hour and i was and i didn't have a phone or anything um but like i was just looking at like i could see kind of the silhouette of her face and i was just like this is i need to hold on to these moments because she's not going to be this little forever you know and like this could be the last time this happens you know like so like you you do need to like step back and be like this is beautiful this is why we do this
0: <laughs> you know like it's hard it's hard to do that sometimes we got to tell we got to tell ourselves and remind each other remind our friends and be like this is this is this is ace this is beautiful
1: yeah yeah definitely just to like stop and and breathe it in <laughs> when I was working, I was working at a movie theater and, and Mike was working at a Pizza Place. So my shifts were like usually during the day into like the kind of like early evening. And he would work, you know, until closing of the restaurant. So he had like – he had nights, um, night shift. And so we had, you know and, – and in the apartment, it was rare to find a moment alone. So like when he was working – he wasn't around like whenever he was around, like I'd be like, I want to hang out with Mike. I don't want to like write songs right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, we were just like, we were very much like that kind of couple where we we're just like, let's hang out all the time. I love you. Um, and so, but when he wasn't there and usually also my other roommates wouldn't be around at night. Cause they like had lives or like, you know, boyfriends or girlfriends that lived outside of, our apartment and so like i would have an empty apartment and i'd be like whoa this is rare and so i would just really take advantage of that and make as much noise as i wanted i mean i wasn't super noisy usually you know i'm writing on an acoustic guitar but like you know sing whatever gibberish comes out that's not words yet (laughs) you know like whatever which is like super embarrassing when you just have like filler sounds um but like so it was like I felt free to do that and I think that that time was so precious and so limited that I really um just squashed a lot of good stuff into those into those very precious few hours that I had of solitude in a Brooklyn apartment with, you know, four roommates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Those were those were my my special times.
0: Do you miss that? Do you miss living with people? I mean, I I, I can imagine no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no
1: way. No fucking way. I I'm like I'm a little bit of a control freak about my my space, my personal space. I mean on tour you're you just have to give up, you know, just give it up like you're not going to be able to keep things the way you want them. Like this is just it's it's chaos, mm-hmm. you know? And but like when I'm home, I really really like things to be clean. I really really like things to be put away. I don't want clothes on the floor, you know, if they end up, you know, like sometimes, you know, at the room by the end of the week, the clothes end up on the floor, but then we do the laundry. So like yeah. it's fine. But like, you know, it's it's I just really like to have like not in like a super anal retentive way, but I, I really do like to have um, things in, in their place. And when you live with a bunch of people, that's never going to happen. And you don't want to be that shitty roommate who's leaving post-it notes of like, do this, do that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I would just like make me and Mike's room, I would make that like our little safe space, <laughs> our little safe haven. And that was all things that were in the place that we wanted them to be. And then like the common areas would just be like, oh, chaos. So I hated that. Also, like I cannot go to sleep if there's dishes in the sink. Like I cannot, I can't wake up to a messy kitchen. I can't do it. It fucks up my whole day. And so like, I don't know that's an Italian thing my mom told me. So like, cause she's very much the same way. And so like, I just can't, I can't have any dishes in the sink. And when I lived with people, it was like dishes all the time. Or I'd just be like angrily doing everybody's dishes, you know, with a frown on my face. But like, I just can't. <laughs> So it's nice because, like, Mike is in, Mike understands, and he, he, he does the dishes a lot.
0: (laughs) Did you have problems with having like headspace or having that kind of headroom to, to write lyrics
1: when I lived with people?
0: Yeah. I've often found it hard to kind of think straight when there's five voices getting smashed in the kitchen.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like, I can't even. I can't read and listen to music at the same time. Like I, I know people can do that. I can't do that. I like I am a very like singular focus person. So I'm easily, easily distracted. And so yeah, it was it's definitely very difficult for me if there's any sort of stimuli to stay mm-hmm. on on the task at hand. <laughs> so yeah, I uh it's just it's really nice to just have It'd be me and Mike. And my last living situation that was a group was my band, which was awesome because we could just practice whenever you know just like Mm -hmm. g chat everybody be like you cool to practice in like 20 minutes and then we just meet up in the (laughs) attic and practice you know like it was very easy and we could practice for as long as we wanted and like really got good as a band like playing together that was like really Mm -hmm. fun and that's when we were playing with sammy who's the drummer that i play with now so she and mike i think as a rhythm section just like so locked in in that situation and so now they're just like they're just such a good rhythm section because there was just so much time spent of them just like working together. So that was it. That loft was in Brooklyn. No, that was upstate. So like that, that was our, everybody moved out of Clinton Hill. Like Alex's building was getting sold. Peter had like some sort of like weird situation with his landlord and they, they had like go to court to get their like deposit back. It was like, it was really fucked up. And then like me and Mike were just like, we need to get out of, Brooklyn, like we hate it here. So we were like, we were just like checking out Craigslist all the time and looking for houses. And then we found one, and Peter and Alex were just like so ready to go. And so they they moved mm-hmm. up, and Alex um, brought his girlfriend Marie, and now they're married, and they have a kid, another one on the way. And um, everybody lives up here still, even though none of us live together anymore. Um, and our old drummer Dave, who of the Pink Couch Sessions, uh, who was Mike's roommate when I first moved in with Mike. He just moved up here and bought a house, so like we're all up here in this like two town radius, and it's really, Great. it's really nice. It's really nice to not be in in the mix anymore.
0: <laughs> Does everyone feel a little bit less stressed from from working in a kind of built up area? Yeah. In, in Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, and everybody's doing something that they want to be doing. You know, like they like Alex is doing coding stuff for websites, and like he's really like he's really come into his own with that. And Peter is working for this place called family of Woodstock, which does a lot of like, uh, food pantry stuff for people up here. And so he's really involved with that And, and he gets to like meet people and, and he's gets to work on his own music. Um, and Dave's working for Warby Parker and he's really happy. And, um, yeah, it's just like, it's really nice. And I think like also those things happen, like as you get older, you get, you know, like, you can maybe move on to a job that you find maybe is more fulfilling or you get better at your job. And so it's like, I don't know, everybody just seems like they're in a really good spot. It's like, it's a really other than, you know, the pandemic was looming over our heads at all times. Uh, you know, it feels like a really good time personally for this group of people that I was playing music with. So it's really nice.
0: I feel like we're kind of taught, and I, I know your group's a little bit older than, than I am, but I feel like, you know, my, my sister and my brother, they're five and seven years older. And I, and I feel like we still live in that kind of same weird world where, you know, our parents worked hard, gave us a nice upbringing, and we were kind of taught that we could kind of, you know, travel for one and two, kind of find something that we like. And I, I feel like that's a burden that a lot of people carry.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I I guess, like, I went to school for art history because I just, like, that was the major that I was like, oh, that's fun. But, like, I didn't learn a fucking trade and I should Mm. have, Mm. you know, like, I should have done something where there's actually, like, a job that could come of it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, gone to nursing school or learned how to be an engineer you know what i mean like things like i'm always just like joe become a plumber like come on like that is always going to be a job that's not going to be obsolete like people are always going to need a fucking plumber and you'll have Mm -hmm. you know work so i'm just trying to like even though that's what my mom was telling me to do she was like do something that you know like you'll be able to utilize in in the future and, and actually and I chose art history, which is so fucking stupid. And Mike was an English major, so we're just like, fucked. (laughs) Like, what the fuck are we going to do with those stupid majors? But What's Mike working as now? Yeah, so he's booking a venue up here in Woodstock, and he's uh, working for Don Giovanni. He does press for Don Giovanni. So he started doing press, like, a month or two into COVID and he's gotten really good at it. And so he's, he, he's really enjoying that. So yeah, it's like, he's so fucking busy. Um, but he's, he's using his skills, you know, that he's accumulated from odd jobs over the years, as well as his, you know, his music knowledge in, in all different aspects of the music industry. So He's figured as niche out, I think. I'm just nicheless unless I keep writing these story songs. But we'll see.
0: <laughs> so did Mike do your press on this record?
1: No, no, he wasn't. I We thought that that would be a bad idea because like he would like, feel sad if people would pass on it you know (laughs) because and also he'd be like like, fuck you yeah he'd be like come on man like you should write about it come on (laughs) it's my wife i love her um but like he also felt like silly like getting in touch with people and being like hey can you uh write a review of this record that i played on you know so like we thought that it would be better to do do it like out of house and so we we hired Sarah at girly action and she did a great job but also like mike and she worked in tandem on a lot of stuff so he's still like you know he was still like overseeing things and like pitching ideas but he wasn't the one that was like shooting emails to you oh, know yeah. different journalists being like my wife's a really nice lady <laughs> please listen to her music so yeah but it was good <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it, it, it
0: is the family trade this new record it and is. and and the last you know the well all of them really right
1: yeah yeah and
0: especially this one with joe being on the front cover
1: yeah she's on the cover and our dog lou lou dog is on the cover as well so yeah i mean like it's it's really nice it feels it feels really nice and but also like you know, we Mike and I were so very much intertwined with this project that when when we bought a house and we were like talking about having a baby, we were like, we can't both be just doing this band because what if, you know, like we mm-hmm. can't always just be like, oh, we can, we'll be fine. You know, people will still buy the records. It's like, who care? Like, who knows? Who knows who's going to care about this, you know, 10 years from mm-hmm. now? So like we had to not put all of our eggs in one basket and we had to kind of like diversify a little bit. So I'm just kind of full-time this, I guess. I'm really just full-time like making sure my child doesn't choke on little rocks because she likes to pick up little rocks and put them in her mouth. <laughs> That's her new thing. Um, and we just went away. We were like, we, we wanted to go away so bad because we're just trapped in our house. So we took the ferry and we went out to the the North Fork of Long Island. Um, and it was really nice just to show her the ocean and everything. Mm-hmm. And so that we finally got to the Airbnb that we were staying at. And of course the whole backyard was just little rocks. Like they, they just like filled the whole thing <laughs> with these little gray rocks. And I was like, no. <laughs> so we just couldn't go in the backyard at all. Cause she would just eat all of them. I don't know why she loves them. i mean is she gonna grow out of that in like a year or like a week i fucking hope so i don't know my friend my friend sarah's dog used to eat rocks and then he had to get metal teeth but that's like as far as i've heard
0: career in the in the rap industry for joe
1: oh yeah that actually could be cool yeah i'm gonna have to look into grills for her (laughs) baby grills
0: who's in the um in in the bathrobe uh, above the record rack above your head on the front cover of of the record.
1: Oh, that's Harry Nilsson. He's a songwriter, singer, one of my favorite singers of all time. Uh that's him on um, I think it's the cover of Nilsson Schmelson. It's the cover of one of his records and uh but it was like the insert that Mike framed a long time ago and I just thought it was funny that I was like underneath Nilsson wearing a robe and this was going to be the cover of my record. So <laughs> it's like that cool. like when the artist was like uh just like asking me about like each thing in the room. And she was like, do you want me to use that Nielsen picture? Or like, is that like copyright copyrighted? And I was like, oh shit, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, you should just do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's too perfect to not. (laughs) That's, uh, it's funny. I mean, you know,
0: just that, that's like an example of how doing your vision, there is a kind of element of serious, seriousness about it in terms of um the, the the business of it i suppose that huge kind of business side mm. of it of of copyright in that example um and yeah. it, have you got like a publisher have you how does that how does that work with you how how kind of much have you have you got into that how much do you care about that?
1: Um, I like the idea of them licensing my songs to something and I don't have to do any work and somehow I make a lot of money. So I really would love that to happen. But for some reason, we haven't gotten any syncs on songs in like years. So um just really just fingers crossed that you know whoever the fuck wants to put one of my songs in the commercial as long as it's not like Halliburton or something like I don't really care it's fine <laughs> just use my shit and I don't have to do anything and you just give me thousands of dollars that would be cool um but yeah that's the dream <laughs>
0: have, have you have you written much since it came out have you written much in the last few months God,
1: no, just that one song and then the fucking Christmas song. And really that's – I haven't written anything since that record was written, really, honestly. So, like, I'm fucked. Like, I have, like, ideas. There's, like – in my iPhone I have, like, song ideas, but I don't have any, like, full songs. So I'm, like, really nervous because this is never where I've been. I'm always – I always have, like, a record on deck, you know? So, like, now I'm, like, ugh, I got to do a whole record when am I, how am I going to do this? So anyway. Is there like a
0: th- do you do you come up with, with themes? Is it is it song by song? Is, is there an overarching kind of feeling towards that?
1: No, there's never a theme. It's just like, I guess songs have similar themes just because it's what I'm going through, you know? So yeah. like, oh, here's another song about this fucking shit that I'm going through right now. So yeah. like, yeah, in that way, like there are like similar themes, but really it's just like, Every song is just kind of comes out of the ether. There's no, there's no grand plan at all ever. Maybe if I had a grand plan, maybe things would just fall into place a little easier. Maybe I should just make this a concept record about the moon landing. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Or the moon not landing.
1: Exactly. Well, I had a whole song about that and then, uh, and then somebody got like really mad at me and they were saying I was an asshole because I was like, wouldn't it be cool if the moon landing was fake? Like, I didn't even say it was r- really faked, but I was like, also, like, sure, they could have gone there, but would they have gotten that sick footage? Not sure. Don't think so. So, which anyway, song is this? Whatever. It's called Telluride. It's on Wheel.
0: No fucking way.
1: I yeah. That. So it's like, well, it was about, like, Stanley Kubrick and, like, that whole, like, con- like conspiracy um, that he, like, filmed it. And, like, in The Shining, there's all these, like, clues because yeah. he wasn't allowed to talk about it and, like, yada, yada, yada. So, it's, like, it's kind of about having to, like. On the carpet. Exactly. And, like, on the desk, there's, like, a NASA thing. And, like, I don't know. So, mm. it's just all these all these little things. And I got, like, super into it one night. And then I, like, wrote a song about, kind of about that, but, like, not really, like, fully about that. But then like I told a journalist that and then like this whole message board was like really mad at me. (laughs) That
0: is fantastic. Uh, What are you gonna do? (laughs) Eva moved over over after just sort of a a few months dating. We'd met a few years before that she'd put on Great Cynics. But when she moved to London, you know, introducing her to to people um, for for quite a while, for about six months, we were telling people we met on a flat earth message board. And (laughs) some people like really bought it. (laughs) I mean, but that's interesting. You know, you, you, like you say, you spent a, a night writing that, and it's funny that can end up on a record that will that lasts. Does that stuff fuck with you? You ever? Does that stuff ever mess with your head?
1: What, like the permanence of songs on records?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. But luckily, luckily. I mean, I guess if I like could really break it down, there's probably things that make me cringe. But luckily, as, as a whole, I'm I stand behind everything I put out. <laughs> I think. I mean, I, I don't want to like delve too deep because then I'll be like, ugh, not this song, not this song. But like, yeah, I I feel like I don't know, but it's all like a record of yourself, uh, of of yourself growing, you know, in your personal life because mm-hmm. it is all just like little diary entries, and then also as a songwriter you know like it's just you can just watch the progression and i think that that's really fun you know and if if people can like you know if people can learn from your mistake maybe not mistakes but like you know just like the amateur hour type of writing and then like watching your progress if they can walk away from that and have like and have that help them become a better songwriter? Then that's cool too. So whatever, I'm fine with Absolutely. it. I really like. I'm just pretty much like don't care about anything at this point. <laughs> just, just to
0: end with, just to to round it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there are there any jo- job stories that you've had either upstate in the last two years, or from Brooklyn, or before as a teenager? that the, the you know that would be your bar telling story that is the one like anything horrific you know anything funny anything like
1: uh, let's see. I worked in a bagel store and I always got like yelled at by mean Long Islanders because they're very particular about their bagels. And then every day I would have to go home and scrape all the bagel seeds out of my shoes with a pencil tip, you know, because just all the bagel seeds just get completely like in your sneakers or trainers, as you call them, like in the, in the sole of your, your trainers, they were just like, all the seeds. So that was like bad, but I mean like actual moments of badness. Um, there's also many of those. One time I was working at a job with uh, John DeDominici of Bond um, the Music Industry, Jeff Rosenstock fame. Um, he would always get us these jobs to like work outside and like do these like leukemia, lymphoma, like races. Like there were like these charity races. And so we were like the people that set up the tents and like all of like the the stuff along the the race route, you know, like all of like the props and everything. We were just kind of like the production team. Mm. And uh so we would be like putting chips out and like whatever oh crisps. Um like, you know, just like there was like snack tables we'd have to organize. And it was just like long, long, arduous, very physical work for like 12 hour days. And so it was like crazy. Um and then one of those I I was doing garbage cans. I was like collecting all the garbage cans at the end of the day. And I doused myself doused head to toe in garbage water, like the water at the bottom of the garbage can, you know, cause no it's just the whole thing over my head. And it was in Staten Island. And really that's my only Staten Island experience is that I got covered in garbage water there. But I hear that that's, um, that's a pretty well-rounded Staten Island experience. <laughs> Not to talk shit. Um But yeah, so like just, yeah. And I would, I would work the door at shows and there was one show that a booking agent that had passed on us. Like we were doing all these like interviews with different booking agents. Um, and so it was like two years later and this guy had like passed on working with us. Cause he was just like, you're not going to make me any money. And I was like, you're probably right. <laughs> so uh, whatever. But then I was working the door at Webster hall in New York city um for I don't even know how much I was making an hour not a lot and I was sitting in the cold and this was like my life I was probably like 29 so I was pretty like deep in my career (laughs) and he came to the door and he's like what are you you're working here I was like yeah (laughs) so I kind of like validated all of his uh feelings about not taking me on as a client um just like Things like that. Also, like, yeah, getting recognized at different jobs and people being like, oh, you're working? I thought that you were a musician. I was like, yep. (laughs) Yeah, that happened to me at the co-op. I was working at a food co-op up here when I first moved up here and a girl was just like, why are you working here? I thought you were a musician. I was like, yeah, well... My rent is $250 a month and I'm working at this food co-op to pay it. So you do the math, lady. (laughs) But yeah, you know, so that's me with jobs. I've had so many. I started working when I was 13. So
0: It's nice to, to hear a sort of a slight twinkle in your eye or at least a kind of smile in your voice when you hear it. You know, when, when you talk about those stories, I mean,
1: I mean, like everything's funny, you know, until it's really not. But like everything's like slightly funny, <laughs> and I imagine
0: some some jobs like like working at the co-op was could have been fun at times. I mean,
1: yeah, and like you meet people, and you know, like co-op I got like cheap food and that was sick and Aiden Quinn he's a he's a famous actor here I don't know if you know who he is but he's he's a famous guy and he would always come in and sometimes Natalie Merchant who's also famous here and I don't know if you know who she is but she was in a band called 10,000 Maniacs yeah uh she would come in sometimes and buy squash and so that was cool squash the food not the drink or the tennis like game right 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 (laughs) right 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 right, right. (laughs) But yeah, so like, you know, you run into some uh, local Hudson Valley celebs, you know, Uma Thurman came Maniacs in. Maniacs
0: are a great band.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, cool. I wasn't sure if that was just like a, you know, a, a US thing or if they had really spread their wings c- across the pond. But yeah, so she's famous, I'd say.
0: <laughs> well, Laura, thank you so much. Absolute legend.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you. So
0: there she is, Laura Stevenson. Her self-titled album is out now. Go and get it if you haven't already. And go and pick up tickets to see her in the UK and Europe next year, next April. Get tickets to Manchester Punk Festival while you're at it. She's also playing some shows in the States later this month, including Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Here's Coxbarrow. I've been working all day for me, mate. On the side, running around like a blue arse fly. I've been working, yeah. I've been working all day for me, mate. Everything's me, I've been on the go. Up and down the ladder, like a the friend's
1: bow I've been working, yeah. I've been working all day for me, mate.
0: This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.
1: It's in one, you one of God's own creation. That song, that song's good.
0: <laughs> Don't know.
1: It. you sing again? Maybe I might get it a second time. And as fine as the sea, they can offer no explanation. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Plus.